faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And uh, first thing, happy Father's Day to my brothers. Happy Father's Day. All right. I was talking to somebody this morning, and we have some plans. You know, some of y'all have plans for dinner and food. Let the man have some bad food today. We were talking about that. It's okay if he just wants Bojangles for his meal out. We dream of going from Bojangles to McDonald's, to the next spot. I mean, just, just let them have the country ham with the egg and cheese biscuit this morning, all right? Now, guys, you have to take responsibility for what that means. If you're in the ER for gallbladder, then that's you. But give daddy the big piece of chicken, as Chris Rock says. Give him the big piece of chicken today. Um, praise God for fathers, but praise God for being a father for redeeming what fatherhood is. And uh, like Amari said, for many of us, it's not a happy topic, fatherhood. Um, but God comes to redeem that. And so if you're with him and in Christ, you're in the right place to experience and grow in fatherhood. Amen? Um, secondly, congratulations to you Toronto Raptor fans. Who's a Toronto... Or oh, y'all just hating? Who's the hater of Golden State? That, that, y'all, and, and, and for you Drake fans, because when they won, two songs are dropped. So if you like Drake, you're happy Toronto won, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I'd just say that just to make sure I'm not cutting out Toronto and all the Golden State haters in the house. Um, we continue today on our sermon series in the book of Titus and our exploration of spiritual health in our community. Now, last week we saw how the Lord seeks to address the spiritual health of people in the community of faith in churches like ours by calling for specialty and unique care and roles for, and then from people in different life stages, if you go back to last week's sermon. This week, we will look at what it means to live as a spiritually healthy employee or worker. And when I say healthy, we are talking about a healthiness that is not just personally beneficial, but, but good for the world and the glory of our God. Since the fall happened back with Adam and Eve and sin entered the world and us, work has and is and will always be hard. Always be difficult and even sometimes unhealthy and, and, and unhealthy necessity. Well, what scripture teaches us is that Jesus came to redeem work and all that goes into it. 
And Titus gives us a picture and pattern of the spiritually healthy worker or employee. That because Jesus has and is redeeming work first, we must do our jobs fully. We must do our jobs fully. Secondly, we must do our work faithfully. And finally, we must do our jobs and work fortuitously. Now, I, that's the only word I had, okay? It had the F in it, okay? Um, I can barely say it, so if I flub it up, I'm probably going to say it twice, fortuitously. All right. Titus uses the term bondservant in verse 9 to address a group in this household uh, that we read about in, in our first scripture that we had that were being upset by some bad teaching, that there was some bad teaching about what it meant to work, to be a servant in a household, if you will. And, 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 and so he's addressing that group in this book. If we were to look at verse 11 and then ch in chapter 1, like I said, and then looking at the folks he addresses in chapter 2 that we saw last week, older men and older women and wives and young men, bond servants, also in some translations slaves, were hired folks who would more often than not live in the household, live on the homestead, and played an critical role in the health and logistics of the household. And in a place like Crete back then, Christian Jews who would have received this letter, who had moved there, might have been those bond servants in the homes and working for religiously different than them Cretans or, or bond servants, even to each other for those Jews who were wealthy. Bond servants at this period were those who had to pay debts off or remained in a class of people who for generations had to work for someone else, often as part of another household to survive, to make a living, either for a decided period of time or for the rest of their lives. It is safe to say most of you in here are bond servants. Y'all have debts to pay off, right? Mortgages, car notes, school debt, right? And are not wealthy enough to live in an aristocratic lifestyle, just living off and enjoying and, and managing your wealth. Most of us are working for the man, right? Or the woman, right? And, 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 and working for the company that is in turn working for the public or private investors and customers of the company. And that could be true for those who are working in the home with children or, or students. I don't want to forget you, but we are all, most of all, all of us are bound to work and bonded and contracted to work for most of our lives for someone or something else. Working and being submitted is equal, though, in dignity and worth. As someone else's help, right? As some company's help was, was actually true and good before the fall. Before sin entered the world. God created Eve to be like, like the co-chair of the garden with Adam because it was not good, the Bible says, for him to be alone. And the garden was too much for him to handle. But even God in, in a three-person Trinitarian uh, Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, worked together in a submission and leadership function within themselves, within the Godhead, right? So work. Having a job. Submitting, being a servant, if you will, 
being an employee, having an occupation, being an employee of someone or something in a different place or position than you was never devilish or destructive. But it was designed to be constructive for the purposes of God. And so it makes sense that the word of God gives special attention to this God-designed construct of work and submission. It is good doctrine, good theology, good for you to learn and be trained in what it means to serve and work. Now, this passage, unlike a lot of other, some other pastoral epistles, doesn't talk to the boss, right? The way the boss should be treating you. So we're not getting into that in this one. So don't sit back there mad thinking, hey, he's just talking to me, but he don't know my boss. Yes, I know your boss. Your boss is sinful, right? Your boss ain't doing something right. The company's doing something wrong. We all know that. But there are scriptures for them. But this one is for those of us who collect a paycheck and the name in the corner of the paycheck ain't our name. Look at verse 9 again with me. It says here, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything they are to be well in everything, in everything, sorry, they are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. The message is clear. We're called by scripture to do our job fully. That means actually doing the job's description. It says to do everything for your own masters or bosses or company. It means do everything that you were hired to do. Now, for some of you, that may be some new news. Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, I, I, I can't help but think about the song Car Wash. Y'all are way too old to know the song Car Wash. But there's a line in the song that says, car wash, right? The boss don't care if sometimes you act a fool, right? And that's supposed to be like, hey, come get a job over here because our job lets us act a fool, right? That, that ain't the job description, right? To get done, the scripture is telling us what you were hired to do. And give all you can to do all the things you were told to do in your job description that your boss says to do. Now, some of you don't have a job description. You come to work, you check in, and the supervisor says, we need just nine things done. Do the nine things. Right? Not the 10 or 11. And 10 and 11 some things you want to do. Right? Or not the seven things. Because you're tired, you don't want to do eight and nine. Right? No, the Bible is saying be consistent and, and diligent to, your, to everything the job description is calling you to do. That's, is that new news to y'all? Y'all acting surprised. That's simple enough. But he takes this doing your job fully to another level, Right? It says, do it for your own master. And then look at the second half of verse 9. It says here, you're supposed to be submissive. That means doing your job to, to your own masters in everything, right? Do everything they tell you. They are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. Whoa, we don't like that one, right? There is an attitude thing here. 
This was saying, do your job. Actually, this was saying, doing your job with a healthy spirituality is not just about what you do, but how you are, your attitude in doing it. That submission, biblical submission, is not just mechanical. This scripture is saying it is mental and emotional and relational where you are about serving the company and the manager or supervisor or principal or superintendent or constituents or patients or patrons or customer with the right attitude. You know what I can't stand as a parent? Kids are out, so I can say it. When you're like, hey, son, we need you to take the garbage out. (laughs) Right? We need you to make your bed. Right? Like, you you threw some, I, I saw you throw some stuff in the garbage this week. Right? I looked in when you were sleeping. I saw you sleeping in that bed. Like, Make your bed, clean your room, right? Like, clean the kitchen, and you get this, oh, that. I hate that. (laughs) Right? And then the discussion of, you don't pay no rent. (laughs) I I can even take it as far as, take them clothes off. (laughs) Right? You renting them, I pay for them clothes, right? Like, I went to the store. Now, Harrison got his little job. He'll tell you, do I got to work for Chick-fil-A? After I take your rent away and utilities away, you'll be naked, right? But don't you just, oh, dad, no. Like, they're dying or worse. Don't, oh, man, don't suck your teeth or roll your eyes. Remember the term that we can't say these things anymore, and then you go to jail. I'm going to knock them eyes out your head, right? You won't have no eyes to roll if you continue, right? You roll your neck at me, what? It gets aggressive in there. We shouldn't be that way in our employment. We shouldn't be that way in our occupation. Basically, y'all, the Bible is saying, be, here's a trite word, right? Be nice, right? And flexible and compliant and not complainant, right? Don't be prickly and hard to get along and come along and bring along. Just be this jerk, right? Where, you, where it is always hard to convince you, right? We always got to have a convincing conversation with you to get you to do your job, Will you make managing and leading you hard for the company or the boss or the teacher? So the Bible is teaching that we should not only get in where we fit in, but do everything we can to fit in well where we already are, right? It's what submission looks like. It's what biblical gospel-driven life looks like. You You ain't irritated coming in with a grumpy face. Like looking like somebody owe you something beside what you actually took the job for. We all wanted a job. Remember when you, some of us, when we got that job, thank you, God. Right? You're graduating with that degree. That degree is something else. But them student loans, something else too, right? And you're like, oh, thank you, God. I got the job. Entry level. Mom, Dad, I got a job. Facebook, I got a job. Blah, blah, blah. And then you get there. Man, man, please. Right? Right? 
I mean, I think we need to, as believers, recognize that the Bible says work is hard. So if you expect to do a job and it ain't going to be hard, then you need to go to a different planet. Right? It means putting the needs of the household or company or organization or supervisor before yours and not being all up in your feelings when you're on the clock and fulfilling the description of the job you were called to do. But not only do your job fully, but do your job faithfully. Look at verse 10 with me together. It says, don't be argumentative. We read that. But it says, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Back then, like now, bond servants had to be trusted. They were often left watching over the boss's most valuable assets, his family, his children, his food, his finances, his product, right? They may be selling it, and in a real sense, his reputation. It is no secret that servants had the ability and were in the position to skim some off the top or harm assets or resources in some way, right? Man, just coming from a city like Charleston, <laughs> the, the stories I heard, but that, that's a different subject. We, we're not getting into that. About what servants could do, right? Man, this sure does taste good. They don't know what's in that. Right? Did you know that they built um, the, the, the kitchens and the places where the servants lived separate from the main house? You know why? Oh, oh sorry, some charcoal fell on the ground. Y'all ain't got no place to live, right? Because people would, they, sir, would break, burn down the whole house out of anger, right? That's a different subject. We'll get into justice issues later, right? Not this one. But it's saying that we are in position, some of us, to burn the house down. You're in a position to ruin it. So Titus is saying, work faithfully with faithful work and trustworthiness. The word pilfering here is an interesting word in, in, in verse 10. It doesn't mean just straight stealing. It means to separate and divide out for yourself. It means to hold back and hold some back for yourself. It means covertly taking something. It means that faithful, non-pilfering work is not just doing the job description, but doing it well and, hear me, being able to do it well. Not doing it as well as you could or, or not doing what you're hired to do is stealing, right? And it's misrepresenting yourself and the company. It is holding back for yourself some of what you could and should give to your employer. In other words, being a spiritually healthy employee means being someone who is able to honestly work within your limitations and abilities. Taking a job that you can't do a will not or refuse to do well is pilfering. And this links back to the first point. If your attitude can't get in line with where you work or the company you work for, and it drives you to hold back in morale, then you are not fully and faithfully there. Here's what God intends for us. That we are to do the work hokey pokey, right? 
that when we are on the clock especially, that we are to do our best to put our whole self in, right? And this means, I know this is hard because I, I, I mean, I, I work jobs. I know how the break room can be, right? Not bad mouthing the company you work for or, or spread a poor reputation that would injure the company or institution or in our case at your church, which is a household of servants, right? Especially as you work for them. You can't take the salary and wage and relationships and, and, and pilfer while dogging the reputation publicly in some way and not performing op optimally. It isn't faithfully working. Now, it might be time for HR discussion, right? It may be time to sit down and say, look, th this ain't right. So something got to change. Or sharing your insights towards solutions time that are good for you, not only for you only, to, to just be self-serving in it would be dividing out pilfering again, but, but what you see as good for the company, institution, or place of employment so that you and others can work faithfully at your company and for your boss, right? Last week I talked about the article I read on millennials, that millennials are the least likely to take lunch breaks. The irony of not taking a break so that you can look like you're just killing it is bad for the company. Do you know that? You need to eat to keep working, right? You need a break to be healthy enough to do the job you're called to do. And boy, some of y'all be hangry at that job. Could you please do this, right? Or you just grab the donut. You know the donut gonna make you crash at three, and you crash at three, you're gonna be playing words with friends. <laughs> right? If you don't eat, if you don't take care of your nutrition, if you don't take advantage of the things you're supposed to do, you know, to keep going, right? To, to take that mental break, guess what? You are not doing well for the company because you're trying to prove something. You might need to be honest about your need for a lunch break to perform better, not to act a fool, right? Or, or actually take one again so you can perform faithfully. So appropriately and respectfully calling for and asking for fair wages and treatment, hear me now, is not the same thing as bad mouthing or destroying or hindering the reputation of the place you continue to benefit being a part of or working for. So it is good and faithfully working to seek to fix and make an environment where you and others can best and better flourish for the good of the whole for the good of the corporation, for the good of the company. Which brings us to another side of doing your job faithfully. Look again at verse 10. It says here, you should do it not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything you may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Then it says here, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Here's where it gets tougher, right? The Bible is saying that you are called to not only give faithful work, but to do it in good faith. Back to the right attitude thing a bit. Titus is warning against doing something not just against, uh, not against, but what takes you and makes you work 
below your ethical and moral standards. This is about doing anything or being treated in a way that you don't agree with because of your convictions, which for Christians is exactly what verse, uh, what verse 10 is telling us, that for Christians, doing things that are outside of the doctrine of God, our Savior. Ah, it's that hardship of being a believer working in places that ain't too holy or ain't too good. Now, I'm not going to be able to get into all, but the places and people and institutions you can work faithfully for, though they are not so faithful, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at like we did Daniel, are many and broad and what I would describe as ethically elastic, right? But there may be instances where it is impossible for you to work there faithfully and fully in good faith. Where all you are left doing is half doing your job or stealing or, or half caring and doing a lot of complaining and breeding and even possibly spreading discord, even if for the right core reason. Doing so would still fall on the pilfering, the reputation of the company, of your group that you work for and who, who you work with. We, we just finished the book of Daniel. And we saw how young men were stolen from their country and put as executives in a company or country whose core ethic was against theirs. But the Bible tells us they thrived up to a point when they refused to go any further and literally risked being fired in the fiery pit. Like... See, the definition of fire for them was, you know, severance in some way. Like, severed from this life, okay, for them. But they were risk being fired. But, but they refused. Here, this was interesting how this mixed in. They refused to pilfer. Right? They refused to pilfer from an evil kingdom who did evil things and then lied to themselves and the king that they were okay with all that was going on. And working under those conditions, morally and ethically, against the doctrine of our Savior, against your conscience, the, the way the doctrine works in your heart is the same thing spiritually and emotionally as missing lunch. That kind of lack of good faith will drain you and, and suck you dry and leave you hollow instead of becoming healthy and bringing health to where you work. Again, there may be time for an HR discussion. I know they're hard. Or a reassignment ask. Or even a resignation, which, mean, which may mean, like Daniel, possibly the death of a high-paying job or career. The death and end of relationships and networks and on and on, right? But if it stops you from working fully and faithfully, then it is time for a change. E even in, in good faith to the company, hey, look, I don't agree with what you're doing, right? So because I don't agree ethically, I, I, just, can't, my, I, I just can't do it. I can't do my job faithfully. I, I can't do it fully. You're paying me and I can't help but badmouth. Look, I'm having a very hard time. I need to leave for the good of the company and the glory of God, right? I got to go to have an honest discussion. But if it stops you from working fully and faithfully, then it's time for a change in the company or with you and the number of wrong things 
right? Could be ignoring the promised rights. The, the job could be ignoring the promised rights and privileges of working at a company. There could be all kind of civil injustices. Maybe there's unfair pay because of you're a woman or a certain religion, or you just can't get with, with, with what the company or household is selling and how they are selling it. And, and, and that's a place when you as a believer comes in and says, look, I'm going to use my right, or if you have them as an employee, to sit down with my boss, to meet with HR. Something isn't right, but I'm willing to risk it, to lose it, instead of not living and doing my job faithfully and fully for God's glory. Had one executive I knew. He had to take his clients to let me just say seedy places, right? And he could have closed, I mean, real fast on millions of dollars of deals if he just went into the club with them, right? He refused. And oftentimes, he just had to sit in the car for hours and waited. And sometimes he went off alone. But I refused to get rich off the company in ways he morally and ethically went against, that went against the doctrine of his Lord and Savior. Which brings us to our final point, that the spiritually healthy employee or whatever occupation you're in is called to do their jobs fortuitously, right? Which means with something greater at hand. To do it with knowing you have a blessing from God, with a heavenly benefit or aim, do your job like it does not own you. Look again at verse 11 with me. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. While it might be good and moral and awesome, all the things I talked about working fully and faithfully, the power and hope to go to work and do your job doesn't actually come from you trying very hard to work fully and faithfully. See, it happens when we work believing first that our job does not own us, the Lord owns us, right? Your job doesn't possess you, the Lord is the one who has you. Look again at the end of verse 14 with me. It says here, Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. If you're a believer, if you become a believer, you serve your work and your family and your company and your institution, but they do not own you as their possession. You're not possessed by your job. You belong to the Lord who loves you because of what Jesus has done. You know, it reminds me of working for a temp agency, right? Or in military terms, like being some kind of mercenary where you don't actually work for or belong to the company that you are serving uh, temporarily or the school you're attending, you are on loan, y'all. You, you are by the temp service or agency or mercenary group. And so your sense of worth and value is with the temp agency and not where you are actually working. 
That's why there is power and motivation in whatever occupation you have because your true and real boss in the Lord is where your value and worth belongs and not on your job. Which means you serve in your occupation or company or organization with the values of the kingdom or agency that sent you, not just the one you work for from nine to five. You know why so many of us are exhausted and driven and ruled by our work? Because we all fall in the same issues. We thought and are expecting that the paycheck or buying power or belonging to or getting our identity and worth from this company or finally being a mom or father was going to fill and fulfill you in a way it was never designed to do so. You aren't created to live and work that way. And the frustration of things not being enough or being too much or, or feeling unhappy in your employment, things that are common to just being human, begin to bend and break us in unhealthy ways. The job now consumes us instead of benefiting us. We hate and loathe ourselves and our place in this world. Sometimes you can be left feeling insignificant or stuck. The metaphorical world takes over and you just become, right, a machine. Remember the article I was talking about, about the millennials not taking lunch breaks? And how unhealthy that is for them, and how it backfires in production for the company. You know, yes, while I'm about, you know, I'm looking forward to it, about to be gone for a time off in a couple, another couple weeks, and some of you have vacation days, right? And your job may give you 30 minutes to an hour for lunch, some of y'all more, because you got it like that. I'm not talking about just that. Don't you realize that breaks, vacation, and holidays are patterned out of something bigger and better for our working selves? Something that is a benefit for anyone who is in Christ. Look again at verse 11. We're going to look at this verse a few times. It says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting, it says, for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see the word appear in verse 11? And then in verse 13, appearing. Let me tell you, these are like bookends of what God has done for us. God has appeared for our situation, and then the Bible's teaching he will reappear or it will be appearing for our situation. Like, he started a work in our lives, making us his own possession through the work of Jesus, but that same Jesus who died that we might have eternal life is coming back to fully cash out what he paid for and make all things perfect and right and good forever. That's what the scriptures teach do you know what it means to be redeemed and saved in your occupation in this world? It means that before your true boss, the Lord, you are given and already have a perfect performance review. Because when Jesus came and he lived and he suffered, died and rose, hear me, 
He gave his work performance review, which was perfect, to you. So before God, you and I are not judged. Before God, we are not judged ultimately by our work performance, but by Jesus's work performance. You know what that means? You already got the bonus. You already have the full benefits. You already made partner as a member of God's family. And Titus is calling us as we work in this world to rest in that. To rest in that. Remember the lunch break? Not just once, but like a required lunch break or vacation or holiday. And the word holiday actually means holy day, like Sunday, like a Sabbath. To, as he put it, sorry for the wording, right? Be trained in that. It takes hearing and believing it anew again and again to learn, to grow, to, to, how, to just rest and meditate and lean and trust and simply reflect on the fact that in all the work you have been sent by God to do on this earth, the real work is done and being done by Jesus. You know what it means? You and I are like the boss's son and daughter at work. Think what kind of attitude that brings you. You want to do good for daddy. You want to do good for the company, right? But at the same time, you realize your worth ain't in this. You already have a trust fund. You already belong to the ruling family. You know what I always want? There is going to be a hostile takeover of all companies on earth. Y'all don't believe it? Look at Revelation. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom. Don't you realize you are part of that coming kingdom? And so you live in that reality. And as you do the little things, people ask you to do fully and faithfully that, 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 that you are working as someone who is part of the, 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 the overreaching, the, the over, the, what do you call it? Like a, the, the umbrella company, right? Of all these little things going on on earth. As much as I don't want to mix some of the American slavery in with this because we start justifying things in ways we shouldn't, but taking a risk for a greater point. Do you know what a steal away was when they talked about stealing away for slaves in American history? A steal away was a time for slaves when the day was over to do their own worship service and community gathering away and free from the one they were forced into at times by their master, but the one they were called to by their Lord. Sometimes they go to the woods in a safe and separated from the workplace. And they would remember and be reminded of their worth and freedom. And most importantly, that they ultimately belonged not to the master, but they were God's precious possession despite the world's brokenness in their work. Do you know what the first words of the Negro spiritual steal away says? Very first words. Steal away. Steal away to Jesus. Do you hear that? 
slaves in oppressive, inhumane slavery did not fall apart, most of them. Why? Some did. Why? In large part because for some, not all, their rest and relationship with Jesus had appeared. Past tense. Appeared. Present, y'all, with them right there in the most broken job you could ever have, right? Right there. The glory and love of Jesus appeared to them on the job, in the backwoods of a heartbreaking slave environment. It wasn't the whip that kept them going, and the whip could not break them. It was the rest and steal away provided by a relationship with Jesus that kept them human and humane and kept them going. For your spiritual health, as an employee, steal away to Jesus. Because he's paid with his own life's work to have time with you in the present. Why you are present in your work, right? Whatever you're called to do, it's hard. It's hard to live faithfully and fully. We fail. So the Bible is saying, steal away to Jesus when you can't live up to the obligations of your job. Steal away. Because he is paid with his own life's work to have you be with him. Don't you know it is the most important thing you can do as someone who's employed? It's the most important thing you can do to, to be able to do your job fully and faithfully is to rest. Now I understand we can get technical about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. And I talked about the pilfering, right? But do you know the commandment is, there isn't a commandment that says work down to your bone, right? There is a commandment that says rest. Knowing when you work, knowing you've got to work to eat, knowing it's going to be hard, knowing you're going to fail, knowing you're going to feel like I don't really feel in my job, right? I don't don't feel my destiny. I don't feel my calling in this work, right? You're going to feel cold. You're going to feel lonely. All you work for ain't going to come up. I remember my mom once, we were having some hard times. I don't know what was going on. I was a kid. But I remember her taking her paycheck and she had, something was happening and she looked at it and she broke down crying. Because it wasn't enough. She just cried. I remember her folding the eye and she ran upstairs in prayer. That means we find spots, y'all. We find places and ways in your day and in your week to possibly alone and with others and vacate with them. And access the gospel and the Lord. And especially as commanded to take Sabbath day like today seriously. And just remember, just reflect once again on who you really are. Man, a job can make you think you are just an employee. That you are just a banker. Someone told me the other day, I'm like, what you do for a living? And there was a smile on their face. (sighs) I work for the bank, right? I get that all the time in Charlotte. Hey, what you do? Yeah. And this is me. Bank? Yes. (laughs) You need to steal away. So Jesus can remind you, you don't just work for the bank. You are loan to the bank. Right? You you ain't, the the contract in blood is is the the most important one and Jesus already signed that. Right? You, you need to be reminded. In the Bible, what the, 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 the number one word in the Old Testament is zakar. It means remember. 
You have to remember who you are. It's not crazy that you forget. It's not crazy in the middle of the week and I'm there too. I'm working or writing or working on something. I forget that I'm a child of God. I forget that this ain't it to me. But something's going to take and reflect once again on who you really are and what Jesus really and truly done and just how amazing his grace and our God is. You know, Pastor Amari over there, he didn't know I was going to talk about him. Pastor spiritual life and discipleship. Man, that dude's really good at this. Mm-hmm. He had this, we got this new thing, the pastoral rule. Is that what you call it? He's like, rule ain't nothing like you got to work and all. No, pastoral rule is you need to take a spiritual break as a pastor. Right? Like you got to take a lunch break. Right? You, you know how sometimes with the unions, you got to take a break or you got to do some things, right? According to the union, according to our union with Christ, guess what? Y'all got to stop. And the stuff in there like not being away from home too many days a week, having dates with our wives, having consistent time with our children, praying, like being a Christian. Right? It's like, who, who wrote that book? Uh, gentlemen, we're not professionals, right? Was it Stott or something? I can't remember. Piper. We're not professionals. We're Christians. Right? So Mari's like, hey, I'm going to remind y'all, you know, in the middle, we, when we get together for, for meeting, Howard, be quiet. We're not talking about no vision. We're not doing that. And what we need to do to grow and what we need to do to blah, blah. No. We're going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to tell you to bring the big Bible to work, okay? You can, you can use this now. I got a pretty big phone. Look how thick that is. I tried to get away from the dad's wallet, and even with the phone case, it's the dad's wallet. Anyway, here's what I believe. Your job and those around and over and under you may not know it explicitly, but stealing away from the world, from your occupation, what is not theirs to give or take, will mean less, less need for you to pilfer time away and give you faithful service to them. Stealing away, training ourselves, giving ourselves to be built up and arrested by the gospel results, as, chapter, as, as verse 14 says, in zealous work that is done fully and faithfully. One more thing. It says the Lord is appearing in verse 13. It's telling us that one day, Jesus will come. We might be on our job that day too. And put into motion the heavenly retirement plan. Yeah, y'all. The kingdom retirement plan. Whether it's Social Security or Medicaid or Medicare or whatever it is, a 401 or the investments or just being a rich kid. There will come a time when all that you work for benefit you enough where the work is done for you forever, where you're not punching the clock. That's what our hope is. You're working, but at the same time, you're waiting for the day. Y'all are working, most of us, and waiting for the day we can say bye. Aren't we looking forward to that day? I was thinking about it today. I'm driving to church this morning. Kelly, I saw some guy with some fishing stuff on the back of his truck, and I was like, Kelly, I don't know if I can live apart from the coast much longer, right? Not that it could be 30 years from now, 40 years from now, but I'm going to be in the ocean somewhere, right? Near it, smelling that marsh. I know somebody don't like that smell. That smell wakes me up. 
smelling the ocean. That's so what? Being the waves, right? And then when you leave, the next day you're in the bed, you're still feeling, yes! Fishing, yeah! Yeah, right? I work waiting for that. Do you know, as you live and work, there's an unseen investment being built for you and me? Did you know that? I don't care if your job ain't got no retirement plan. One is being built for you and me. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, I have to leave for you here to work as a temp employee and leave you here to work as temporary employees. But I must go so that I can build your retirement benefit package so that I can come back. And when I come back here, I will bring you there to a place and bounty built just for you. Here's a thought. Because of grace, every day you get up, Jesus is and has invested in building and saving more and more benefits for you. You know, sometimes you get them, we got the 401 thing and you get them things and when 2008 hit, our investment people sent out this thing and said, don't look at it, right? Like, don't look at your 401k, right? Don't look at that thing. It, whoop, whoop, you know how to, the, the, the thing, it was like, boom, mm, right? Well, I'm getting up. Don't look at that thing. You know, sometimes we just, we can't look at our thing, right? We can't look at our job. Don't you know, every day there is a growing investment for you by the grace of God? That's why you do your work, not because if you do it, you'll get the investment, but you do it as if there is an investment on the other end for you. He's adding into our eternal account what he has earned. I must tell you, some of you may have felt it, and I apologize, but I'm tired. Some of y'all get tired. It's summer, and I'm talking about work. Y'all don't want to hear no sermon on no work. Y'all want me to do, Josh had that good sermon on, didn't you talk about jumping in the pool somewhere or something? Yeah. Try not to take your drink under with you? You know, yeah, I know. And I've gotten things twisted up just like you and put my worth and value in my job as a pastor and even not rested as I should in the Lord, and I am unhealthy spiritually in a number of ways because I ain't done right. I've worked poorly. But you know what keeps me going and getting up and keep, and keep running to Jesus and not running wild? Like, there are some days, you feel out on your job, where you just want to be like, ah, and just run out the door. <laughs> right? And some of you, here's the sad part, some of you are working as home, mothers at home, and you just want to go, ah, and just run in the street. <laughs> I'm out of here. Forget it. Mama, I'm hungry. Too bad. Ah. I want to do it. Sitting back in that office, ah, just running the street. Don't know where I'm going, but not there. <laughs> Imagine if that happens, right? At our job, you're at the, the bank, and everyone, somebody just jumps up, yeah, I can't take it. Unfortunately, sadly, some people do that. They can't, they can't do it without harming somebody else, right? But we, we all have a breaking point. 
And I've been thinking, man, I, I, I'm getting to that point, right? And, and, and you know what keeps me going? That vacation's coming. Right? And we, we you know, my dad got a little timeshare thing, and we going down to Florida. And the other day, I was just looking at the pictures. <laughs> right? I was having a hard day, and I'm like, I even went down to the city. What you do in the city? I was there. I was in the picture. Looking at on the calendar, y'all, what the scripture is saying, the grace of God coming and one day appearing to us, it draws us through a hard time. It draws us through a hard work week. Because your eyes are looking forward to vacate with your Lord. Here's the motivation. The gospel says, for those who belong to Jesus, he doesn't have a golden parachute for you. That's coming down. I don't know what word to use. He got a golden rocket? I don't know. Because the Bible says one day Christ is going to break the sky. And those in Christ sitting at their desk, we're going to go up to meet him in the air. Like, we're taking a, a flight to vacate with the Lord forever. And we work, and sometimes, y'all, it's okay to look up at the sky. That's what the scriptures say. Sometimes you got to be like, one day, I'm going there. Let me do my work. Waiting here and working here is about reminding ourselves and remembering, keeping our eyes and direction there to the new beginning line, a new final start, if you will, of eternal life. I know it's hard, y'all. You want to scream and yell and run. But there is grace of God right now to steal away to him and steal a look to where you're going. I'll leave you with this. As God calls us and equips us in Jesus to work fully and faithfully and with, with finality, right? The words of steal away are this. Steal away. Steal away to Jesus. Steal away home. I ain't got long to stay here. My Lord, he calls me. And that's he calls you now, right? He calls me by the thunder. The trumpet sounds within my soul. Right? Every day a reminder. I ain't got long to stay here. Green trees are bending. Poor sinners stand a-trembling. The trumpet sounds within my soul. I ain't got long to stay here. My Lord, he calls me, calls me by the light, and the trumpet sounds within my soul. I ain't got long to stay here. Stay away. Steal away to Jesus. Steal away home. I ain't got long to stay here. That ability to rest in your call to work your job fully and faithfully is the road to being a spiritually healthy employee. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us.
right now as we come into the Lord's Supper, as we come to prayer at the chairs, as we meet each other for lunch at the church, as we celebrate fathers, help it to be another opportunity to steal away to you. Lord, it's impossible to fully and completely faithfully do our jobs. Help us to steal away to you for forgiveness and motivation and freedom. Lord, help your people to steal away their worth that has been taken and given to, given to us by grace. Lord, I do pray for those who don't know you, who have allowed their jobs to possess them, define them, and even make promises that it was never intended to keep. Lord, I pray that we would look up, recognizing not only that Christ has appeared, but oh, he's appearing for all those bond servants in hard situations, sometimes in unforgiving pressure situations. You're coming to bring relief to it all. Thank you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.